Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. This is the new on-air live with uh, staying well amongst COVID-19. I am here with the lovely, lovely, lovely Lily Correa. Say hi to everyone, Lily. Hi, everyone. (laughs) How are you doing, Colin? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I'm so excited that uh, you're here. this is a very interesting time. So, uh, you know, this calls for interesting measures. And uh, the purpose of this, um, for those in the listening audience, um, you know, I'm Colin Zoom, the regular host of Thrive Bites, uh, which I'm very happy that we're back with season two and ending that season, but uh, still going with uh, the current on air, staying well with COVID. So we're going to have various different guests, such as Lily, Chef Lily RD, um, you know, to be able to give their perspectives on our current events and pandemic. And you have a very, very unique story. Um, and you're also calling from a unique location. So um, for those of you who don't know who she is, um, Lily has graduated from Loma Linda University, uh, 2014, ob- obtained her master's in public health. Uh, with a concentration in nutrition. She's uh, worked as a registered dietitian, and she's a bilingual health educator for the preventative medicine department at Kaiser uh, before was. moving to, <laughs> yeah, was, before moving to New York, uh, where she's currently at, actually. And uh, she's trained at the Natural Gourmet Institute. So we are fellow culinary colleagues, and she really, 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 really is passionate about plant-based nutrition. Um, And so how are you doing? Um, You know, tell me what's going on and uh, tell me, you know, exactly where you're calling from. And uh, yeah, let's start off with that. Great. Well, happy to be here, Colin, with you. And I'm calling in from New York City. It is about 5.30. Just finished. Well, work. let me clap. <laughs> Let's have a <laughs> we gotta we gotta clap and yeah. you know cheers for you know yeah. we're all frontline people, you know what I'm saying? And New York is no exception, obviously, you know. So thank you, Colin. You know, why I mentioned the time is also because uh now that I've been working from home doing uh joining the telehealth world uh with other fellow healthcare practitioners. Um it's 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 tough to keep the routines, you know. You have to remind yourself sometimes what day is it, what time is it, where you know everything's starting to starts to get a little morphed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's an interesting reality indeed. And as I look yeah. out my window here, I see um, everybody walking outside in masks. Um, there's not a, a ton of people, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy to see that people are abiding by the recommendations to wear masks. 
Yeah. I think um, I'm calling in from Los Angeles and you're, you know, we're both at, you know, opposite coasts. And I think it's interesting because, you know, LA, you know, I'm originally from New Jersey and uh, LA is just, you know, it's the second largest city after, you know, you guys. And what's different about us is that we have a lot more land. So we're a lot spread out and we're not vertically, you know, on top of each other. Whereas, you know, Manhattan, the five boroughs, you guys are what, 8 million on top of each other. So even if a hundred percent are practicing social distancing or what I would like to call physical distancing, um, it's very hard to do that because New New Yorkers are just on top of each other. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a very different reality. Um, I actually moved to New York from Loma Linda, California, and I've been here for about a year and a half and it's, yeah, I can relate to what you're saying right now with the space. Um, and New York, um, definitely feels like those, that space constriction is definitely felt at another Mm -hmm. level. I already felt it when I moved here from Loma Linda because of the space and the openness and the hills and all that stuff. Um, but it was funny the other day, uh, my, I think my brother was talking to our brother on the phone and he was saying how he felt like he was in jail. And mm-hmm. I, I happened to, I took a picture of my window, which actually has bars. And <laughs> 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 so I said, okay, I don't want to hear because he lives, he's living in, uh, my brothers are in Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. a lot wider, you know, space and backyards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting because um, over here, one of our aquariums, um, uh, I believe Long Beach, mm-hmm. they obviously, because they're not open, they've actually let the penguins in the aquarium, they let the penguins walk around. I love uh, that. Yeah. Nice. And what's interesting is that I saw a cartoon sketch yeah. about how uh, the animals are staring at humans that are trapped indoors. <laughs> And yeah. it's just, it's just, it's very interesting, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, yeah. you know, now we are, oh man, are we like our fifth or sixth weeks right, you know, right now since, you know, the yeah. first wave has really, really truly hit. And, you know, during this time, I'm sure that everyone has fully accepted it. Um, maybe some of us are in denial, um, you know, with the current uh, most recent protests and things going on. But, you know, I think we're doing a good job. I know New York is, you know, flattening, you know what I'm saying, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we're starting, but we're, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think we're anywhere close. Um, so we, we need to ramp up testing. Um, you know, we need to have an actual treatment protocol going eventually. So it's still very shaky, very uncertain, uncertain, even though I know that everyone wants to get back to their normalcy, but you know, it's, it's lives, you know what I'm saying? And if you don't know any, if you don't know someone that's been affected or that have passed on, Mm -hmm. it's harder to relate, you know, and I hate for something like that to happen for someone to relate, you know, that would be very, very tragic. No, absolutely. You know, I, um, just in talking about people from my hometown, for example, uh, of Northboro, Massachusetts or Massachusetts in general, or in that area, where the you know the houses are very spread apart, and um, I've I've seen people on Facebook you know kind of expressing themselves as this isn't something that is as real as it is you know, and I can and it's just such a different perspective living in New York 
versus imagining myself being in Massachusetts and what that perspective could be like in in some in a place like my hometown of Northboro, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, yeah, with something more secluded. You know, yeah, and I have like room to walk in and everything like that, and you know, just in trying to like maybe see how a person could imagine this as not as big of a deal as it actually is. Right. And, and I try to give people grace and understanding around that, but at the same time, it also is very disheartening when I'm seeing people that I, you know, I went to high school with or, you know, just people that I know expressing themselves in that way about how not serious this is. Or also, yeah. you know, a lot of the, you know, the conversation that's coming up around this being some kind of conspiracy theory and government, all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, I no, like I understand. Just being here in New York, um, it's just you try to really kind of mute all of that conversation that's going on because you're in a, in a whole different reality here. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, you know, I know we have a lot to cover today. You know, what? Um, let's start off by 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 sharing. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of food and nutrition, and you know, doing what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, nutrition or food, you know, is actually something that I grew up. I grew up in Lima, Peru, and. I don't know if you know this about Peru, Colin, but it, it's got a very rich culinary tradition, very, like, food culture is huge in Peru. Mm -hmm. um, it actually has had the distinct honor of being awarded the, the world's leading culinary destination for eight years in a row by mm -hmm. the World Travel Awards. I'm very, very proud about that <laughs> because it's such a right. cool, it's a cool thing, you know, just thinking about all the people that I've taken to Peru, my friends, you know, and, like, all the food that we've had it's it's like a it's really like a like a food tour when you go down to Peru because there's just so much diversity um and so yeah Peruvians on the whole very into food so my background you know in loving food I think co largely comes from there or being interested in food and my my grandmother and my mom are both amazing cooks so huge influence on me on the food front um lots of homemade food all the time and that's how I that's how I grew up. In terms of how I got into dietetics, it's a, a different twist because I actually started out um, in school as an English major. So mm. I, I went all the way into having a master's degree in English and being a, a you know be having a professor status at a university when when I discovered my love for dietetic or nutrition. <laughs> so um, but I was always interested in like nutrition as far as in the angle, for example, of sports performance is really where my, my interest like peaked mm. around nutrition. Um, because I grew up a uh, Seventh-day Adventist and as a, as a religion that is, it's a religion that has this health message for uh, vegetarian, you know, as, as on the nutrition front. Right. So it's like a whole like a whole living type of thing. So it's exercise, nutrition, spirituality, you know, all of that in terms of living like your fullest and best life. Um, but the nutrition part of it is what I saw really highlighted in college. So I played volleyball mm -hmm. for in high school and in college. But in, when I was in, playing in college, I remember that I was playing alongside um, 
athletes who had grown up vegetarian and were vegetarian all their lives. And at a time when, you know, in the sports performance world, the vegetarian athletes were really like that diet was was considered inferior in terms of performance. You know, a lot of stuff was being was being published or the conversation around, you know, a plant based diet or vegetarian diet in this case um, was really seen as, you know, not up to par. (laughs) So but what I observed is that the athletes were performing just as well, you know, vegetarian athletes would perform mm-hmm. just as well as their counterparts, so I, there wasn't any difference. So it made me really, it just, you know, planted that those seeds in my head, kind of thinking about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so exercise, health, you know, I was always into it. And then uh, fast forward to when I was, after I was done with school with English and then teaching at Andrews University in Michigan is when I actually as part of the faculty benefits, they, they let you have a, a, a education course, right? So I took a nutrition course because I was interested. And after that, I just totally fell in love with nutrition. And I realized that while I really enjoyed English and my time with it and the subject and all that stuff, and I actually loved it, I, I, didn't just, I didn't love it as much as I did nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really discovered this, this whole, like, it's almost like I was I was teaching the wrong subject type thing, um, and so from that year of teaching, I decided to pack my bags and move to Loma Linda because I was really interested in vegetarian nutrition. And as you probably know, Loma Linda University is, specializes in vegetarian nutrition for their mm-hmm. dietetics programs. And so I, you know, just my dad and my brother. Uh, jumped in the car with me with all my stuff from from um, <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts. That's awesome. And uh, they helped me move into Loma Linda without even being accepted into the program. But I just knew, you know, I did my prerequisites. Wow. I had to do, yeah, the whole, like, I had to do the whole, like, 360 of, you know, taking microbiology and biochem and organic chem, all those, you know, A&P, everything that, you know, I just needed to, to do the prerequisites. And then, um, thankfully, I was accepted into the program six months later, and that's how my dietetics journey began at Loma yeah. Linda University. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome um, awesome background because you have the cultural aspect, you have the country of origin. You know, um, you know, growing up with that religion. You know, for bo- most people that don't know, they're more familiar with it because of the association with blue zones, right? Yes. And how blue zones have become very popular over the years, and that's how the spotlight um, for that area has grown to be. Um, you know, I actually have been on that campus and, um, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful campus and, um, you know, I have colleagues that go through there. Um, so it's a great place. Um, so it's a great, I would imagine it's a great place to be trained in uh, as well. So. No, I was gonna say it was definitely an amazing place to be trained in because also because of the emphasis that Loma Linda has on, uh, missions. Mm-hmm. So, like medical mission trips, you know, which I was able to be part of with an interdisciplinary team of medical students, dental students, nursing students, PT, nutrition, um, just going into different countries and um, doing a lot of public health work, which was my emphasis in school, you know, and it was a really unique experience in that sense that is, you know, really helped me 
a lot to also have this wide, you know, or expansive world world view and help me to just really understand cultural diversity in a whole new level, um, which is really great, you know, for being in a place like New York where we have cultures from all <laughs> all parts of the world, you know, mm-hmm. very concentrated space here. Mm-hmm. So that, was, that was another unique aspect of uh, being at Loma Linda. You know, after you graduated, you decided to move into New York. Um, and now you're working, you know, with a very, very now well-known uh, institution. Uh, tell us tell us that transition. Yeah, so after uh, I graduated from Loma Linda is, is actually when I went into work with Kaiser Permanente. And I did uh, about three years there, and I was really lucky to be able to land in a place. So I did my internship uh, as a student at, at that particular Kaiser in Riverside and um, I got picked up right after my internship um, for a position there. And it was it was a center that had a teaching kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, with the TVs and all, just a great kitchen. Um, and it was entirely whole food plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a kitchen that I was able to teach with Dr. Columbus Batiste in. Uh, he's a cardiologist, the chief of cardio at Kaiser. Um, he's also a well-known plant-based doctor. And that's, that's one of the ways that I was, you know, I nurtured my love for cooking in that kitchen. Uh, I worked along um, as a lead dietitian with um, a good friend of mine whom you actually met at the ACLM last year, the American School oh, okay. of Lifestyle Medicine, Heidi. Uh-huh. So we, yeah, we were leading a lot of the, the cooking demonstrations for patients. And that's actually my connection of how I got to see how not just talking about food with patients, but also preparing this this food and having patients see how easy it was to prepare it and have them taste it with me. Um, how like that it bridged that gap, you know, that connection mm-hmm. that was so key to patients being able to adopt, you know, all of these behavior changes that uh, we were really looking at having them do to help their any chronic diseases that they would have, you know, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, you know, help them to uh, improve outcomes, improve blood sugar levels. So it was really cool, you know, that I got to do that for the first three years. And during my time at Kaiser is actually when Heidi and I, we traveled to Boston, to Harvard, to do uh, a conference for, uh, to attend a conference, the Lifestyle Medicine mm-hmm. Conference. And that's where I heard um, a doctor who had gone through the Natural Gourmet Institute and had established um, a program at Harvard with with uh, culinary medicine. Mm-hmm. When I went to that conference, is actually the first time I heard that term being used like that, culinary mm-hmm. medicine, and it mm-hmm. really caught my attention after my experience at Kaiser. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just felt like this is this is what I want to do. This is my my next level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I actually had heard about Natural Gourmet Institute before but hadn't connected with it in the way that I did when I heard about it at Harvard. Um, because I actually had met Shireen Shu, which is also mm-hmm. a common friend of ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love Shireen. I, I know. I yeah, shout, shout out to Shireen. Uh, <laughs> she's on my season one uh, of yes. Fried Bites, so she's great. Absolutely. So I, I actually ended up meeting Shireen in uh, one of my internships at Whittier Hospital. Um, and 
we really hit it off. We kept in contact. We obviously still friends to this day. And she had, you know, she went through the Natural Gourmet Institute for her, so she had talked to me about it. And then when this doctor years later mentions this, I, it like it made all of this connection. And all of a sudden I, I thought to myself, I, I feel like this is my next level. I need to, you know, move to New York <laughs> and attend this culinary school so that I could enhance my practice as a dietitian. Right. Mm-hmm. And have that um, make that connection like more solid. The, the one that I saw with the patients, you know, preparing the food with them, teaching them how to make it. Mm-hmm. And all that. Mm-hmm. So what what was unique about Natural Gourmet, as you know, since you you graduated from there as well, is that it's a, it was an 85 percent plant based program, which really focused on um, food like it's a health supportive culinary yeah. program. Which is rare, which is yeah. rare. Very Super rare. rare. Yeah. yeah. This was um, in the 70s, right? Yeah. 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 When uh, founded by Amarine Colbin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we think of uh, culinary school, you know, we think of, you know, techniques uh, that are grounded in the French, you know, French yes. uh, tradition, right? <laughs> so a lot of butter, a lot of eggs, a lot of sugar. Yes. But this was, totally, this, <laughs> yes, very, yeah. But this was, um, this was very different. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah. Right? It was very different. Um we were just talking earlier about the, the, we were trying to remember the seven principles of food selection um, that are like the foundation of the school. Yes. It's, it's really an awesome um, concept that like, I think we, we continue to carry into our lives as both of us as practitioners, right? Um, so it, the seven principles of food selection being food being whole. Right. And it's thinking of food as a, like a package, right. Mm-hmm. As a, in its whole form. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like any singled out nutrients. Mm-hmm. So that's the which which we, com- which we commonly do. Right. When we think right. of food and nutrition, we yeah. immediately think, oh, you know, what are the carbs? What are the protein? You know, exactly. like how many calories, you know, right. but food right. is not like that. That's not how mother nature. I mean, that's how we read it and that's how we understand it better. But that's not all it is. Right. Absolutely. So, like, that just makes so much sense, right? Whole food as you know, whole foods, instead of it's the their parts, just the key element to optimal health, right? The whole greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about the you know seasonal produce uh, or seasonal fruits, vegetables, and how like when they're in season, you can taste the difference, right? Yeah. And then buying local, so, uh, you know, something that's local produce, which tastes better, costs less, right? Mm-hmm. Less of a carbon footprint. Yeah, um, less of uh, what we call uh, food mileage that it needed to travel in. Yeah. Right? Um, right. The fourth principle was the traditional. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just really looking at how, you know, how our, I guess our ancestors ate foods or in our case, maybe our, like I'm saying my grandmother or my mother, you know, how they were both um, really great cooks and the foods that they brought me up with. 
balance is another one which is a huge concept that I'm uh, you know that's something that for me is is something that I talk about with my patients all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. that's like the signature concept mm-hmm. of balance definitely right? definitely you know, just really looking at that balance of proteins carbohydrates fats all mm-hmm. the macronutrients yeah or just the food groups i mean our yeah. standard american diet is very heavy on animal products the fat the high, you know, calorie density, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, I just uh, um, released uh, Talia Pollock's uh, episode, um, mm-hmm. who's a classmate of ours as well, common mm-hmm. colleague, and, oh, cool. you know, she uh, she yeah. described it as crap food that everyone's eating. So it's chemical, mm-hmm. refined, uh-huh. chemical, refined, um, what was A? Process was P, A was uh, artificial, artificial, artificial. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what we're eating. We're eating food related products as opposed yeah. to actual real food. So go ahead. No, that's awesome. I love that acronym. Um, yeah. And, and number six was fresh, right? Mm-hmm. Full of life energy, minimally processed as possible, you know, free of chemicals, additives, all that kind of stuff. And, and the last one, very important, delicious, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Healthy food that provides nutrition, and when it's delicious, it's it does what food is supposed to do. It brings that source of great pleasure. It brings the togetherness, the sharing mm-hmm. of it, the enjoyment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So such great, you know, simple concepts. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, and so as a as a dietitian, and you know, as a dietitian who is also practices a whole food plant based diet. Um, I, this, this school, this, the mission, the, you know, the foundation of it, it just really aligned, you know, with mm-hmm. the type of, the type of culinary background that, that I wanted to have. So I, you know, I prayed about it a lot and it just, it felt to me um, that God was just saying, this is your next step, you know, and, and in my career, Colin, in my, you know, it, it, all, in all of my professional life, I've always let myself be very guided to by um, God. So for mm. me, you know, again, growing up Seventh-day Adventist is something that as an adult, I chose for myself as well. Um, my grandfather was a pastor and a great leader, you know, just a great human being and learned a lot from him. And my grandmother, who's you know still around, is who's my best friend. <laughs> mm. And she's also... Um, a very awesome guide around that. And she prays with me. My whole family is really, but um, yeah, that's just, that's been part, a lot of part of my, you know, what I let guide me is um, the prayers and God. So I really felt like, yeah, coming to New York was the next step for me in my career. And um, once I finished culinary school um, and I was interning at AVCV, um, that's when there's an email that came out about this plant-based lifestyle medicine program that was going to be uh, a pilot here at Velby Hospital mm-hmm. in Manhattan. And <laughs> the email that Dr. Michelle McMacken actually sent out was to the, uh, to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. There's a, so there's a vegetarian uh, nutrition practice group that Shireen was actually um, involved in and a part mm-hmm. of. I wasn't. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so Shireen actually was the one that forwarded me this email from uh, Dr. McMacken. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, this job was written for you. You have to apply. So I had no intention, no plan of staying here in New York. Um, But yeah, when I when Shireen sent me that email and I looked at what the program was going to be about, I mean, it was going to be to acknowledge the nation's first um, plant-based lifestyle medicine program in a safety net hospital. Uh, I thought, man, this is really something innovative and and amazing that Mm -hmm. I just want to be a part of. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, you know, that pilot, um, is done very, very well. I think it exceeded, um, it exceeded how many patients were on the waiting list and how many people wanted to get on board and try, you know, a different approach to be able to curtail their chronic disease like diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and um and it's done very very well so um so shifting gears a little bit you know now that we're in this pandemic you know i get a lot of questions Mm -hmm. you know working as a you know family physician you know you get a lot of questions in terms of uh, you know, what are we, what are we eat, supposed to eat? You know, how do I protect myself? How do I prevent myself from, you know, getting sick, you know? Um, and obviously a lot of topics over this past series, we've been focusing on gut health and immunity. And as a, as a, disc, as a caveat, I do want to emphasize that yes, those are important. Um, however, you know, we are looking for optimizing health. We are, uh, you know, looking for, you know, improving our general wellness, uh, you know, for the long haul, because right. we don't want to just get sick and then arrive at the doctor's doorstep. We want to be able to uh, put this at our forefront. You know, at this point, health is wealth right now. I mean, you yeah. could tell the entire world has stopped or slowed down. And yeah. if you're sick, it's like, forget it. You can't do anything. You can't do your job. You can't take care of your family. You, mm-hmm. you know, so from a culinary slash nutritional perspective, you know, what are your general perspectives on, you know, optimizing nutrition right now? Thank you, Colin. So, yeah, one of the things that, you know, as you were saying with your caveat too, it's really important to also um, in this time understand that there there is a lot of misinformation, let's say, too, around, um, let's say, uh, boosting your immunity or, you know, uh, something that uh, maybe p- people looking at certain nutrients that you should take in order to prevent COVID and things like that. And, you know, I just want to say as a, as a nutrition professional, and I'm sure you'll agree with me as, as a doctor, Colin, that, you know, there isn't anything that we know of, you know, that has been evidence-based that is going to prevent COVID because this is a very, uh, this is a novel uh, virus and we're learning as we go along, right? So it is unfortunate that there are people who are out there saying that um, there is one certain diet that will prevent or one certain nutrient that can't, you know, and things like that. So really my my whole approach around all of this is continuing to be a bit big advocate for balanced nutrients when it comes to gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we know, in, in simple terms, about 70% of our immune system lives in our gut. Um, and so it really helps to think of food as fuel, right? 
um, and how and and in the question about how are you fueling or optimizing, like you said, you know that seventy percent. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you optimizing it by using the premium 91, you know, with like, <laughs> your vegetables, your fruits, your legumes, your whole Definitely. grains, right? yeah. nuts, seeds, uh, which are the fruits that really, the foods that really bring us, you know, all of these uh, antioxidants, anti-inflammatory properties, the fiber, right? Mm -hmm. That's the food of the, the prebiotic, the, which feed our probiotics, mm -hmm. the vitamins, the minerals, right? Or are you, are you you know, fueling up on 89, maybe, which is what we may have come to know as comfort foods. <laughs> so mm -hmm. chips, the brownies, etc. right? And while there's a place for foods that we may have come to think of as treats, I really think that there is, if there was ever a time to optimize that 70%, it's now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from my perspective, this is a time that we definitely don't want to engage in habits that don't bring us this balance, mm -hmm. right? Like right now, it, the constant snacking, the stress eating or mindless eating in front of the TV, which, you know, are, are habits that, you know, uh, that we're constantly helping patients with, you know, in, in the world of dietetics. Um, but I think right now the atmosphere is certainly ripe to enhance those those habits, right? Um, so one of the things that I'm really working with my patients on is just going back to those fundamentals that we've continued to talk about since the beginning of our program, which is that well-balanced, that colorful, powered mm -hmm. plate, right? Mm -hmm. So, and what do I mean by, by well-balanced? Well, it's the, the round plate that's divided in three parts, right? The one quarter plate, one quarter of it contains a legume like lentils, which are, you know, rich in irons and proteins and fiber amongst other attributes. And another quarter with whole grains like quinoa, which, as you know, Colin, is the gold of the Incas. <laughs> I have to throw that in there. Right? Yeah. Or brown, brown rice. I love or it. Star, or brown rice or a starch like, you know, vegetable like a sweet potato. Yeah. Um, but then the big half of the plate really should be filled with those colorful, non-starchy vegetables, right? Like broccoli, mushrooms, purple cabbage, or kale. Um, the more color that you have in your plate, the better. You know, like I really try to bring people back to those fundamental concepts that we've heard, you know, like eat a rainbow or, you know, um, the five a day of the, the colors in your plate. Because yeah. I really try to explain to to everyone that there's a reason why we have these concepts, right? So um, over the last few years, as you know, Colin, gut health has just been increasingly in the limelight of the nutrition world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just such an interesting topic to dive into because like, if you stop to think about that percentage number again, that 70%, man, like it gives that whole, you are what you eat saying mm -hmm. uh, a new meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every color, uh, every vegetable, you know, that or in fruit, every color has a different function in our body, a different vitamin, mineral, or a different nutrition profile, right? So I try to have my patients get as much color in their plates as possible throughout the day, right? Um, I really credit a, a colleague and friend of mine, Dr. Will Bolsowicz, uh, which I think at whom you also met at ACLM. 
for helping to popularize the concept of plant diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, it's just like a, a really awesome way of emphasizing that whole like eat the rainbow concept. Yeah. And just yesterday, he, uh, he posted on his um, Instagram account how this quote that really made me think about what we're, what we're talking about today, which is, you know, he said, gut health is immune health. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just such a fun and informative post um, because, like, when we, again, emphasizing that at 70%, mm-hmm. that's a huge number, you know? Mm-hmm. So whatever we are putting, or the fuel that we're putting into our bodies, um, we want it to be the one that maintains our body at, a, at its most optimal form, which is, you know, definitely going to be... Um, the foods like we just talked about with Anne-Marie Colvin's concepts of the culinary yeah, school, yeah. fresh, whole, right? Minimally processed. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So, um, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, there's so each one of the, every topic you mentioned, we could have, you know, literally another episode or another, you know, um, session <laughs> about it. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously we don't have the time, but the thing is, is that it is important to do simple because, you know, for those that are not healthcare related or haven't taken a nutrition course, you know, this has been going on for decades and decades and decades. And the reason why it's important is because we all eat, we all have to eat. It's one thing that is a necessity or essential, you know, like we're in the pandemic world and, you know, it's like, you know, these words, these concepts of essential, what is essential? What is not essential? What is considered, you know, a need versus a want versus a desire versus a luxury, right? And yeah. so food is just that. And, you know, what are we, what, what can we eat is the, the, the million dollar question. And to make it simple is, you know, we do our job to educate, train and go through all this to really break down the minutia and to be able to translate it and decipher it to simple um, explanations and statements like you just, you know, like Lily just mentioned and be able to convey that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. eating the rainbow is important. Um, you know, doing a variety, you know, mm-hmm. portion sizes, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you source it, how you buy it. Um, yeah. these are really, really important because if, um, if we overcomplicate things, um, mm-hmm. it will deter us from having, sustainable behavior, you know, routines and changes and routines for us, you know, and, and, and lifestyle. So it's super important. Absolutely. You know, and I think just having, um, going back to those fundamentals and having those simple concepts in mind is, is really important, especially at this time, because like, there's so, you know, like one of the key things that I'm working with patients on right now too, is just maintaining routines. Very mm-hmm. simple. Again, fundamentals, you know, because, I mean, there is so much going on right now in the world, you know, here in New York, so many, like, things to distract you, the news, the, the tweets, there's just so much, right? And so when we start, you know, for example, if we're used to eating at a certain time, like we're working and, and now we're working from home, um, some of us. So uh, if I have breakfast at 7 usually and lunch at 12 then dinner at 6, all of a sudden, you know, my schedule starts to get interrupted. I start to create habits of, you know, eating at uh, 10 a.m., eating at 9 p.m., right? right? There's always... Throw, throw, throw something off. Yeah. 
And then, you know, and again, it just starts to like take ourselves off of that, you know, that balance. Our body always wants to get back to homeostasis, right? And so the balance is a really, really key concept to, to mm-hmm. keep in mind. Routine, yeah. balance of time and what you eat, what you put on your plate, the colors, all of the things that, you know, we already know to do are the things that I just constantly work on reminding my patients and myself on mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean uh that's super important especially for those that are unable to work from home you know just having a routine of working around the house taking care of your family getting mm-hmm. groceries you know it's mm-hmm. important to in a way kind of stay sane and uh, maintain mm-hmm. that emotional status and balance of ourselves once yeah. we have that structure because we are you so used to it yeah. having it outside of the home but now we have to create it you know and that yeah. same concept applies to meal preparation um you know knowing what to make um how mm-hmm. many days do we need to make it for and for who etc you know yeah. so hey guys we're gonna be taking a short break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Shifting gears a little bit, um, I want you to go into uh, this really, really briefly about uh, you know the role of the dietitian for inpatient care. And what I mean by that for the general uh, audience is, you know, uh, registered dietitians is not just about one-on-one counseling. Um, they do have roles within the hospital. So I kind of want you to briefly go go into that. Yeah. Um, you know what you guys are doing. Absolutely. So for the outpatient side of the, so ambulatory care, for example, some of our dietitians are, you know, still rotating into the hospital to see newborns in their roles as lactation consultants. Mm. Um, so three or four day old uh, babies and others, uh, other outpatient dietitians are engaged in the world of telehealth, managing the usual patient loads and, you know, with bariatrics, with diabetes, oncology and plant-based nutrition in my case. Um, and our DEs are also playing a critical role in, in assessing families for food insecurities and connecting New Yorkers to community resources where meals are being provided free of charge, for example. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the things that's, you know, uh, public health issues that are coming to, to surface as schools are closed or shelters are closed, for example, um, there, there's a need for the community to have food accessible, you know, where at times shelters provide foods or schools provide foods for children, right? So I think the city is doing a, a really great job in um, uh, providing meals for people. So mm-hmm. are these, you know, are, are helping to helping families to navigate through those organizations and finding the places to go. Also partnering with um City the organizations like City Harvest to make bags, you know, like grab and go bags, grocery bags that include non-perishable items like beans, rice, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, within the the context of the food that's available to the community, are these also have to um, assess patients with pre-existing conditions like diabetes and hypertension, and we're helping patients to navigate through this new normal, like what from this food that's available 
can you eat? Should you eat? How can you balance your plate around what's available? Right. So there's a lot of uh, that kind of uh, nutrition counseling going on. And we're also talking a lot to people that, you know, about cooking at home because people are eating out less. So topics like using leftovers in creative ways, mm. uh, meal prepping, freezing foods, how to store vegetables, right? Maximizing mm -hmm. trips to the grocery stores by making lists and being really savvy at substituting ingredients. That's another thing with the culinary that's helping for me. Mm -hmm. You know, if a patient is really like, I want to do this recipe and they're not very used to cooking at home, what else can you substitute for this one or two ingredients that are not available, mm -hmm. right? This mm -hmm. is where the culinary is thankfully really coming in handy for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, patients, families are really afraid to leave home as well. So also working a lot on counseling for exercise from home and, you know, routines. You know, I was talking to a colleague earlier, Nicole, and we were talking about, she said it's a really great sentence, like how to manage um, your exercise routine in the confines of quarantine. So I was like, wow, yeah, it's just like such a cool, you know, such a reality, the way she, you know, she stated that. Was yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah, so that's in the in the outpatient world and, you know, really briefly from what I know of the inpatient world, too, you know, uh, the inpatient dietitian team is in the front lines, um, really looking at, still working in the hospitals, assessing nutrition status for any pre-existing conditions when patients come in like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all that, providing therapeutic diet plans. If patients are eating or not eating, they, they're eating. If they're not eating, they work on oral supplements to ensure proper nutrition management of chronic mm -hmm. disease. And um, they also, during this time, they're managing patients with appetite loss because of anosmia or, you know, uh, the patients are coming in with diarrhea, so there's nutritional management for that. And in critical care, with the ICU and everything, the inpatient RDs are assessing nutritional status and assisting the team in designating the uh, most appropriate enteral nutrition regimen for patients. So with COVID, they're, they're seeing a lot of acute hypoxic respiratory failure and, you know, acute kidney injury. And so there's, you know, making sure patients are receiving appropriate tube feeding regimens for mm. maintaining that, you know, proper nutritional and hydration status, of course. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing that because, you know, we, we do get a lot of healthcare professionals and, you know, dietitians and up-and-coming dietitians, uh, di uh, dietitians as well. So it's important mm -hmm. to kind of lay out, you know, what we're experiencing. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, coming clo uh, close to a close right now. And the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, I'm super, super excited to hear about the initiative that you have started um, or created, um, you know, that you are wanting to feed the front line uh, for, you know, New York City, uh, you know, healthcare workers. And, you know, they are literally our superheroes, you know, what I'm saying we are, you know, um, you know, we're, we're in a very interesting position where we're considered the front line, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it, it used to be what we think of it as more of a military concept. Now it's literally, you're fighting an invisible war, you know? Yes. So it's a very, very interesting concept, but tell us what you're doing. So ever since, you know, I, I rotated out of the hospital to start doing the tele, telecommuting, um, I thought about just my team, you know, and how 
my medical team now from my clinic is rotating through inpatient wards, working the 12-hour shifts, like you were saying, you know, in the front lines, or whether they're holding down the fort in outpatient clinics. And, and all I wanted to do is just make them food, you know, mm-hmm. because as we've had this whole conversation about, you know, what food means in a time like this, it can mean like hope and nourishment and you know, health supportive through make it through a 12 hour shift, for example, you know, um, one of the things like I really understood in the mission field at Loma Linda is feeding the team is essential, you know, how you feed the team. Right. So I just really have been wanting to cook for our, our frontline staff. And I was lucky enough to connect with um, the Brooklyn Borough President's office Yes. Uh, yeah, through a friend, uh, Rachel, who connected me to the chef at Greedy Vegan Kitchen in Brooklyn, Leticia. And she, uh, yeah, so it's really cool because there's been a lot of restaurants, a lot of places who've had, you know, this same um, idea of wanting to provide food for the frontline workers. And, and so for us, you know, of course, you know, our idea was that we really wanted to provide this plant-based, you know, whole food, plant-based um, food, you know, mm-hmm. the antioxidant filled, everything we talked about, right? So we uh, we partnered together to have this initiative and um, we were able to make, um, with the help of volunteers, 200 meals that yesterday we actually delivered to Woodhall Hospital. Mm. And uh, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams was there with us too. Yeah, to shout out to Eric Adams. <laughs> yes, he's a great guy. It was so cool, you know, to be able to do that because so it was a menu of jasmine and wild rice mix with chickpeas uh-huh. uh-huh. um, and portobello mushrooms and broccoli and, and peppers, rainbow peppers. So all those colors, right? All of that, all everything that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes that optimal ninety-one premium? <laughs> in a bowl, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it was super cool, you know, to be able to, and of course, the main ingredient being love, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. and that's something that we're continuing to. Why is that important? Nature. Because I know you have a very, very a strong. Um, you know, wanting to push that, like, why is that important? Why is the love concept important here? Personally, for, for me, is I that's one of the, I think, main ways that I express love is through food and, and cooking. It's like you put so much of yourself into a dish that you make. Um, it's kind of like poetry, you know, from my English world, where every word, every punctuation, Everything, every, the placement of everything makes a difference and it means something, mm-hmm. right? So for me, cooking is it's like that. Every ingredient, every spice, right? Every portion, every flavor, everything means something, you know, mm-hmm. from that culinary perspective and also from the nutrition perspective. So there's just like so much synergy of what comes together in that yes. plate for me to be able to... And, and I just imagine myself handing this food over, you know, to, to a tired and weary team, mm. you know, and it bringing them life, you know, like, food, so, food, so food, what was their, what was their reaction? What, what was that reaction? <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Like people were standing in line, um, 
practicing social distancing, of course. <laughs> they, were, they were standing in line waiting for the food. And when we, when we walked in to deliver it, they were clapping for us. And it was just so humbling, you know, to have these these health heroes, you know, who are working the 12, the 18-hour shifts, clapping for us, mm-hmm. you know. It just feels like that, you know, like the, that little starfish story where mm-hmm. just, you know, one plate of food can, uh, it's just us showing the appreciation, you know, it can bring that love. Mm-hmm. Say like, we thank you, you mean so much to us, we're here for you, we're thinking yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. And that couldn't have happened through your tireless efforts of, you know, working with another, you know, chef colleague and the kitchen and the food prep and, you know, getting donations um, and getting volunteers to be able to cook together. What is, uh, what is the next event? Because I know you have something coming up next week, right? We do. So next week we're getting together to um, do it all over again. And we're going to be delivering to my own hospital at Bellevue. So I'm, I'm really excited that it's, it feels like getting to fulfill that, that dream you know, awesome. that I had of being able to, to feed my team, feed the awesome. troops, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have a link um, set up yet or anything where they could, anyone that's listening in that's willing to contribute, donate, anything like that right now? So how we were doing this is just really through uh, Greedy Kitchen's Instagram. Mm-hmm. So they're at Greedy Kitchen, G-R-E-E-D-I Kitchen. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll have that also in your in your notes um, I have a um, a message about it in my own Instagram profile as well, mm-hmm. um, which is at Lily C underscore RD. Mm-hmm. And what about for the upcoming event? How do people uh, contribute to that? So for the upcoming events, um, I am actually coordinating the volunteers, which I, I think we actually have our volunteers already all set. Mm. Um, so it's really exciting to already have a team in place and to just, you know, get in there and, and repeat or do it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait for, you know, the press to showcase that and to just really cause a ripple effect. You know, this is the reason why I do this podcast and this series is to create a ripple effect of, you know, informing, educating, and inspiring, you know, others to go out and do their own thing. Um, and yeah. that's what we want to do. We want to create a ripple effect of, you know, feeding the front lines, for example, in this case, you know, in other hospital systems, you know, we need to get on board and do that as well. Um, yeah, so I, I love it. Um, you know, this has been great. Uh, I really, really thank you for taking the time out to lend your stories, talents, um, and doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Uh, I definitely want to cheers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to your, your work and obviously, you know, your team's work and everything like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just going to truck along, but we're doing this together and that makes it that much more fortifying. So um, definitely check her out. Um, I will leave the show notes. If you guys didn't get to listen to live, um, we will release this later on and definitely, uh, you know, stay tuned for that event that's coming up in Bellevue. And thank you so much, Lily, again. Thank you, Colin, for having me. It was super fun.
(laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, this has been another on air live staying well amongst COVID-19. Please check us on our regular season, uh, season two. Um, It is back now and, you know, we're going to end that as well and uh, definitely stay tuned for, you know, the next season's uh, information. So again, thank you so much for listening guys, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks, Lily. Thank you, Colin. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.